Father, I thank you for your word, and your word has so much to tell us on every practical area there is in life. And I do pray for each of us as women who want to follow you, that we would honor you with the way we conduct ourselves in our homes, in our families, and in the bedroom. In your name, amen. Well, there was a therapist who had a theory that couples who had made love once a day were the happiest of all couples. So he tested at a seminar by asking how many people make love at least once a day. And uh, hands went up and uh, each of them grinning widely. <clears throat> and then he said, well, what about once a week? And another third hands went up and uh, they had a little bit less of a vibrant grin. And then how about once a month? And a few hands went up. And then he said, okay. How about once a year? One man in the back jumps up and down, jubilantly waving his hands, and the therapist was shocked because this disproved his whole theory. He said, if you make love only once a year, why are you so happy? He said, today's the day. <clears throat> so, we don't want to be like them. Okay. <clears throat> so, anyways. I was trying, I always tell a joke before I teach, so this one came to my mind. I'm like, oh yeah, I got a good one. <laughs> so I've been asked to share with you about the biblical perspective on the subject of intimacy between a husband and wife. And I don't know if this is because I always give lingerie at bridal showers. <laughs> I don't know. Or have been known to address this subject in various settings before. But this always makes my husband very nervous as to what I might say. Please don't embarrass me. <clears throat> so I want to just ask you to let's not let our minds wander as we address the subject. Just focus on your own marriage, okay? <laughs> not mine. <clears throat> uh, as we're talking about this. We don't need any uh, imaginations going on. Uh, I'm sure for most of us who desire to grow in our walk with the Lord, we study the Bible, we listen to, to messages to help us grow, and the Holy Spirit brings conviction to our hearts about areas that need to change. And the Lord has likely dealt with you in the past about like how you use your tongue, or how you respond to people who've hurt you, or... Uh, the ongoing battle we all struggle with, with the sin of worry and anxiety. And then there's, oh yeah, selfishness and how you use your money. The love of things for your home or your body getting out of balance and on and on I could go. And we might even, after being convicted, feel very free to share with a friend, will you pray for me? The Lord's dealt with me on this area <clears throat> and I'm, it's a sin I need to deal with. But when it comes to being an available wife in the area of intimacy, I think we often fail to see this matter as obedience if we're going to walk in fellowship with the Lord. You may be struggling with an area in your life that needs to change anger, worry, impatience, but our subject today needs to be seen in the same light. So I've recommended a few books, A Wife After God's Own Heart. It'll be at the book table at the church. Uh, Elizabeth George, Feminine Appeal by Carolyn Mahaney, and The Pleasures of Marriage by none other. <laughs> so these books contain, <laughs> contain a lot of helps in the area of communication and all aspects of marriage. They really are a great wealth of help. <clears throat> so I think it's helpful to briefly go back to the beginning. 
where God created the first ever husband and wife. And everything was perfect in their home, in their provisions, in their intimacy. Their experience was total joy. As they had fellowship with the Lord, that was perfect, as well as perfect fellowship in their marriage. And God made it very clear that every man and every woman is to leave their father and mother and cling to their spouse. But then, as we know, sin entered the world. This reminds us of having a perfect environment or a perfect husband. Ladies, it will never change anything about your heart attitude in your own marriage. Through the years, I've seen so many women fall for Satan's lies that he whispers, if only you were married to a really spiritual man, you'd be such a godly woman. Or if you're only married to somebody who provided more financially, you wouldn't struggle with discontent. That's lies. It's faulty thinking. Eve had a perfect home, a perfect body, a perfect husband, perfect fellowship with the Lord. Yet when temptation came to be able to have a little more than all of this, she gave in immediately. Satan targeted Eve. She bought into his lies that God was holding out on her just a little bit of what she still wanted or that God was not good in his decision that he made that you can eat from everything but this one tree. And so sin entered the world. Eve took the lead from her husband, and he followed her. And the results, as you know, are disastrous, and that's why we hate death and disease and everything. It all came at this moment in time. And then suddenly they're ashamed. They're naked in front of each other. So they sewed fig leaves together, a fiddly fig perhaps. <laughs> A big one. Anyways, <laughs> and then ultimately, as you know, they were cast out of the garden and had multiple chastisements, which we all feel the effect of every day of our lives, right, as women. So once sin came into the world, people became experts in making excuses and blaming other people for their own sinful attitudes and actions. And since that day, all married couples face the great challenges in their married whether it's communication just in general in their family or communication in the bedroom. Well, God made it very clear at the start that a husband and wife are one flesh. Intimacy, after all, was his plan and his idea. And the results of such intimacy often brings about children, hopefully pleasure, a closer partnership, and a way to keep a couple pure from temptations from outside. Our culture is so immersed in the subject of sex. And the entertainment industry, you know, it typically presents great sex only happens between people who aren't married, right? I mean, that's always the, the illusion in the picture. If they present a married couple, it's like dull and boring, and that's the reason for the affair. Again, a deception from the evil one who is always trying to take down the Christian home and destroy the family. We must not forget that it is God who created sex and it is God who blessed it. It was his idea. He designed male and female at creation. Therefore, having sexual desires is a good thing as long as it's uh, in the confines of a marriage relationship being enjoyed that way. So as God gave sexual desires to men and women, he made it clear that this is something only married couples, as I said, are to engage in. So I think the clearest place when we talk about intimacy. <clears throat> the most important point is what Paul made in 1 Corinthians 7, <clears throat> uh, the first eight verses, where he makes it clear, your body is not your own. 
Now concerning the things about which you wrote, <clears throat> it is good for a man not to touch a woman, but because of immoralities, each man is to have his own wife, and each woman is to have her own husband. The husband must fulfill his duty to the wife, and likewise the wife to her husband. The wife does not have authority over her body, but the husband does. And likewise, the husband does not have authority over his body, but the wife does. Stop depriving one another, except by agreement for a time, so that you may devote yourselves to prayer. And then come together again, so that Satan will not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. So Paul speaks the inspired words and a subject matter that needed to be addressed at the church at Corinth. And it is applicable to all of us. It is not good for a man to touch a woman, or in other words, to be physically intimate with any woman other than his wife. <clears throat> Verse 2 explains that each man and woman should have their own spouse to be intimate with, uh, keeping them from being overcome by the temptation of sex outside of marriage. Verses 3 and 4, we see clearly the responsibility that every married couple has to each other. And Paul makes it so clear in this chapter that being single or being married are both wonderful and good. <clears throat> but for many, singleness is very hard because there is a desire for intimacy. So if and when God brings a couple together, they, there are responsibilities that must be taken seriously and really must be obeyed. We read in verse 3 that the husband is, not to, is, is rather to fulfill his duty to his wife and likewise also the wife to her husband. <clears throat> now, if this were the only verse in the Bible on marriage, it could not really be any clearer when it comes to intimacy. That it's not an option. It is a command that must be obeyed. The idea of the word duty here has a thought of debt. <clears throat> so when you marry, you have a debt to your spouse to be available. And when you celebrate your anniversary, remember back to those vows you made? It was on that day you lost the authority over your own body. So what does that mean exactly? Well, clearly the Bible never presents a wife as a, you know, a sexual slave. Husbands and wives are to freely give of themselves to each other out of love and a desire to make the other one happy. Therefore, it is sin to withhold intimacy in marriage. Intimacy is to be the norm with a mindset to meet the needs of your spouse and not just selfish motives. It's folly to enter marriage thinking this is all going to be about you being satisfied. God designed intimacy to be a joy to both a husband and wife. I mean, you only have to take an anatomy class to figure that out, right? And if you read through the Song of Solomon, it's clear that this new bride was thrilled at the thought of being intimate with her groom. She prepared herself in an attempt to be sensual. You see in Song of Solomon 4, verse 10, the groom says, How much better is your love than wine, and the fragrance of your oils than all kinds of spices? Your lips, my bride, drip honey. Honey and milk are under your tongue, and the fragrance of your garments is like the fragrance of Lebanon. So clearly, her kisses were deeply passionate. And quoting from uh, Daniel Akins, he said, The idea that a particular kind of kissing began in France is put to rest by this verse. <laughs> so, this wife is not indifferent about intimacy. She eagerly anticipates the thrill of being with her husband. God designed a woman's body with features making it possible for her to have pleasure 
with her husband. And I know we don't think of our brain as a sex organ, but clearly, if we're not engaged here, I'm not going to be engaged anywhere. You know, if your mind is off here and you don't focus, then there isn't going to be great sex life. This one flesh relationship is the deepest, most intense relationship that God designed for bonding and the greatest intimacy between two people. It's the way to show love as you give and receive from each other, enabling you to grow deeper in, in your love as you share this kind of intimacy. So as we go back to 1 Corinthians 7, we read the command given to all married couples, stop depriving yourselves. Stop depriving one another. Obviously, Paul had to bring this up because that's what they were doing. It has been my experience through the years of talking to many women who have a heart's desire to walk with the Lord, to be obedient to the Lord, who are growing in their faith, and yet in this area of their life, they live in perpetual rebellion to the very clear command of God, making excuses as to why this compartment can be closed off and stuck away. And the excuse list can go on and on. You've used them. I'm too tired. The kids have been too horrible today. Whatever. I remember when our children were young, and often as moms, we live in a perpetual state of fatigue and exhaustion, having no thoughts about staying up one minute longer <laughs> than we want. And it became clear that this was putting a serious wedge between us as I was totally insensitive to his desires and needs. Husbands don't want to feel like they always have to initiate intimacy or that they always are made to feel like this is a huge imposition to you uh, when they even expressed a little interest. We had to sit down and have a good communicative talk to resolve this ongoing obstacle because I was endlessly frustrating him. If you do not see this area in your life as important to be obeyed, then you can live out of fellowship with the Lord for years and not even be aware. You think you're praying and your prayers are being heard? I don't think so. If we regard iniquity in our hearts, the Lord does not hear. I can't bear the thought of my kids or grandkids not being prayed for and covered because I'm going to sin, because <laughs> I'm going to disobey, I'm going to hold a grudge, I'm not going to obey this. It's not worth it. Some women have had a bad experience in their past <clears throat> that has caused them to have a very unbiblical view of sex, and that is sad. Hebrews 13.4 reminds us that the marriage is, marriage is honorable among all and the bed is undefiled. So sex is good. Sex is pure. Uh, it's not dirty. It's not disgusting. Sinful people may use sex in an evil way and molest and harm and hurt. We know that whatever God made to be good, Satan takes it and makes it to be used for evil. <clears throat> As women, we may be challenged with being embarrassed or shy when it comes to intimacy with a husband, but we have to renew our minds and renew how we think if it doesn't line up with Scripture. When, I, when we think about ourselves and what our body looks like, even when it doesn't meet our preferred look, we have to remember God still commands us as wives to be intimate. So start thinking more about your husband and the joy that you can give to him. Give yourself freely, give your love, give your body to your husband regularly, and even if you find that you are not in the mood, give yourself away anyway. Ask the Lord to help you be the best lover you can be to your husband. There is to be no one but you 
that can encourage him and comfort him in this very special and unique way between a husband and wife. Husbands are told to be intoxicated with the wives of their youth. Proverbs 5, drink water from your own cistern and fresh water from your own well. Should your springs be dispersed to broad streams of water in the streets, let them be yours alone and not for strangers with you. Let your fountain be blessed and rejoice in the wife of your youth. As a loving hind and graceful doe, let her breast satisfy you at all times. Be exhilarated always with her love. You want your husband to be biblical? I'm sure he takes this verse seriously. <laughs> How can a husband be exhilarated with the wife if she's standoffish? If she's rarely available? Or if she makes him almost beg for the privilege? Or worse yet, she uses it to get what she wants. The Bible makes it abundantly clear that we are not to withhold intimacy from our husbands. It is sin to deprive your husband in this way. God created Adam and Eve to have this ongoing intimacy in their marriage, and that is his plan for every single marriage. We as wives are to give our all when it comes to intimacy in marriage. We are to give with joy, freely, regularly, and never withholding from our husbands. This is a matter of your obedience to the Lord, ladies. This is a matter of you walking in fellowship with the Lord. I'll let these ladies... Get in the door. <laughs> I see Janetta got the memo. With the, no, with the clothes. Yes. Okay. <laughs> All right. There's a couple chairs up here, ladies, too. Let's press on. I, I know you're all familiar with the concept of 1 Peter 3 as it's addressed the subject of submission as wives. Our example to submit to the Lord, it, our ex example rather to submit to our husband is preceded in chapter 2 by Jesus submitting to the Father's will and Jesus dying on behalf of sinners like us. And in that passage on submission, you notice there's no exemption clause. Even if you find yourself married to an incompetent, ungodly fool. Having a gentle and quiet spirit that submits to, to a husband is what God still requires. A husband will answer to God for his sin, for his failure, for his disobedience, if he is a poor leader or if he is an unloving, thoughtless husband. But we as wives will also answer to the Lord if we fail to obey his clear commands to us. I have a friend, several, but one in particular through the years, who is the most amazing example to me of a woman who lives with a difficult husband who has never loved her a day in his life, who is unkind, who is cruel, and you know what? She's still married, I don't know, 30 years, and committed. Why? Because she loves Jesus, and she is committed to obey him. And it isn't easy. It'll never be a Hallmark ending movie in her life. It is a tough day-to-day -to -day battle to give all of your expectations, all of your desires over to the Lord. He will honor obedience even when it costs a lifetime of living in a home without being loved, without being nurtured or cared for as scripture commands a husband to do. 
This is not only the case with being a submissive wife when you are married to someone who is unspiritual or incompetent on many levels. It's the same obedience when it comes to intimacy, not just submission. Only God can enable a wife to give herself freely and regularly to a husband, especially if he cares very little for her or her needs or not at all. You can only fix you when it comes to obedience to the Lord. So stop focusing on your husband's failures and start focusing on being a godly and obedient wife. Entrust the results to your loving father who sees your hurting heart. He knows your pain and your disappointment. He promises to be with you every step of the way. And I I love a quote from the old Puritan prayer. May I never seek in the creature what can only be found in the creator. And how many of us wives seek in our husband the creature? Everything we think we need. Not possible. (laughs) Only God. Only the creator. Sometimes our expectations of what our husband should be or should do are so unrealistic. Perfect, unconditional love that will never fail you is only found in your Lord. And let's face it, you and I are not perfect wives to our husbands. We let them down. We fail to think of their needs above our own. It is our walk with the Lord and our commitment to obedience to his word that really matters. So are you obedient in this area of being available for intimacy with your spouse? Some of you are gifted with such (coughs) skills and creativity when it comes to fixing up your home, fixing up your hair, fixing up all kinds of things, food. Well, I would like to challenge you to take some of the creativity you possess and bring it into the bedroom. You may find it helpful to use your creative skills to entice and thrill your husband. Send him a steamy text. Plan a rendezvous while the kids are at an event. I always think of Joel and Nicole at the church for six or eight hours. church doing the Christmas practice all day long for the kids. Hello, there's a window. Not for them, but for the rest of you whose kids are I'm just saying plan events. Plan events that you know there will be an opportunity to be alone. Sorry sorry about that. Uh, Send them a steamy text. Okay. All right. Put on music and dance in a seductive way or take a rest during the day. You know what? Limit yourself to being a crazy woman running around all day so that you pass out at night. If you're going to plan to be intimate, you're going to have to adjust your day. All right? Let's be realistic unless you're the energizer bunny. And get creative. For many, life is uh, hectic. Husbands travel, they're not around, so it makes it challenging to be spontaneous. So you know what? It's okay to put it on the calendar. And when a marriage counselor was asking couples for their top five most basic needs, number one with every man was sexual fulfillment. That wasn't even the top five for the ladies list. So clearly we're different and we think differently. I've often joked that if we were like men, nothing would ever get done. (laughs) There would be nothing else happening. Anyways, it's true, you know it. So after being reminded of these things that I know you already know anyway, 
I am sure that there is a great need for some of you to have a sit down talk with your husbands to talk about what is not going on in the bedroom or to talk about what is going on that needs to change. Why is it that we continue to be surprised that our husbands are unable to read our minds? They never have, they never will. There has to be discussion as to what in, in interests you, what distracts you, what gives you pleasure. And unless you spell this out in details, in a specific way, and I might add this might require show and tell, it is unlikely they will figure this out on their own. So then ask him what you would, could do differently. How could you be a better lover to him? What should you avoid doing? Um, or bringing up to talk about right before. That's always a sticking point. So how can you pick up his hints so you don't end up exasperating him? I mean, if he's in the shower and shaving over the sink and you're laying in bed, pick up on the clue. You know, it doesn't take a rocket scientist. It only frustrates them if you just would roll over and say, good night. If having this kind of an open and honest discussion, then you can resolve some of these issues that really may not have been spoken of for years in your household. You and I answer to the Lord as to how we have kept his word, whether we have obeyed this clear teaching from his word. So if you are one who has rationalized away or made excuses as to why you are rarely intimate with your husband, then I challenge you right now to start thinking Biblically, start thinking obedience. God will bless you for obeying him. I cannot tell you the many times throughout the years when my initial reaction to the suggestion of intimacy is my rolling of my eyes and saying under my breath, you've got to be kidding me. Could it be a worse? Really? But anyways, I learned many years ago to ask the Lord at that point to help me, to strengthen me in my exhaustion. And to choose, and I choose to obey and do what is right. And I'll tell you, the Lord honors a heart of obedience, and he is kind, and he rewards. Some of you love to cook and bake and take great pleasure in finding new recipes, buying new spices, setting a beautiful table, making a nice dinner event for your loved ones and family. And again, I say we need to take that same effort level and prepare to be intimate. Plan ahead of time and schedule your day to make it work. Set the mood. Make it amazing. Again, God will richly bless you for obeying his word in this area of, ma of, of marriage. And you know Satan, <laughs> he would love to destroy your attempts to be a loving, ongoing, intimate wife. So you know you're going to have a conflict right before, right? He's going to do something annoying, and you're going to say something at, at death to the whole situation. So be alert. Be aware. No, your enemy doesn't want you to obey his word, just like he doesn't want you to you know, obey the word to not be worrying and not to be slandering. It's the same. There should be a grin on your husband's face that only you can put there, ladies. So make an effort to care for yourself and your appearance. Take a shower. Put on his favorite scent. <laughs> put on his favorite outfit, no matter how weird that might be. And if you hate your extra weight, you know what? Commit to do what you can to exercise, to eat right, but I guarantee that regardless of your size, your husbands are not drawn to the spare tire, but rather to places north and south of that. <laughs> it's true. So, 
try to plan a quick getaway if possible or time that you know you can be alone without the kids around. By the way, if you fear children walking in on you, that can be a huge mental distraction so that this part is not connecting with the rest of the activity. So get a lock for your door or make sure your kids know if that door is closed and they come in, there will be something to pay. I had <laughs> a bad word come to mind. Anyways, you have to do whatever it takes to make a more comfortable environment for intimacy. So going back to Paul's statement when he said, stop depriving one another so that Satan will not tempt you because of a lack of self-control. Well, sex outside the marriage is an ever-present temptation. It is no respecter of persons, man, woman, young, old, single, married, happily married, unhappily married. No one is beyond falling. The Bible warns us that no temptation is overtaken you, but such as is common to man. This is common to man. And the evidence is everywhere, ladies, missionaries, pastors, youth workers, people in the office world, all have fallen into immorality. Someone I greatly reminded, or admired, rather, uh, who grew up in a country we ministered in, and he, um, wonderful, came to the States, went to the Master's Seminary, was there years and years, trained, beautiful wife, three kids, um, went back to the field, planted the first church that, of their work, and within that year, he fell morally. All of that, down the tubes, all of it. Left the country. I, I, I don't have any contact anymore, but it just grieves me. But all of that down the drain because of sexual temptation and lust. It's heartbreaking. Like Joseph in the Old Testament, running away may be the only necessary viable action in order to not give in to sexual temptation. I read a great tem uh, quote from the book Feminine Appeal. I thought it was pertinent. It was written by a lady who sent this letter to the author. She said, a few years ago, I was in a remote part of the world, alone with the owner of an idyllic island. As the days went by, he became more attentive and more attractive. It was an extremely pleasant sensation. I was enjoying myself greatly. My work required me to be there, and my head insisted that I was above temptation, but I'm not. The Bible tells me so. Consequently, I knew I had to leave urgently, and I did. By the grace of God, I did not commit adultery. Not then, not yet, but it's there in my heart, biding its time. Jesus said that makes me as bad as the worst offender. Happily, because I have always been taught that I am capable of adultery, I've always been on my guard against it. After all, it doesn't start when you jump into bed with your lover, but months or years earlier when you tell yourself that your friend understands you better than your spouse. End of quote. So you and I are not above such temptations. The same can be said for your husband as well. He has enabled us, the Lord has enabled us to help resist temptation as we grow in purity. And therefore we must make no provision for our flesh. So what are you looking at on your iPad, on your phone? What are you watching on TV? What kind of books do you read? What kind of music? What words are floating around in your head? We must be so vigilant to never indulge our own sinful desires. You know, it can be such a little indiscretion at first, but how easy it is to become the road to destruction. So as we deal with our own purity, we have to remember that the world that our husbands are living in bombards them continually. 
Satan has made sexual temptation available in every setting imaginable. The availability to pornography, <clears throat> the co-workers who want a listening ear from your husband, or whether they just walk into the grocery store or seated by a hostess at a restaurant or go to an exercise gym where female body parts are exposed to them and they stumble as they lust looking at someone else's breasts. Therefore, when he gets home, your husband needs to know that your body belongs to him and that he belongs to you. We are to give each other uh, without holding anything back. This is God's design to help protect our purity in our marriages and in our homes. So I plead with you, ladies, stop making excuses why you can't be intimate with your husband tonight. Look at the big picture here. This is God's design. This is God's protection. And this is God's way for a couple to be one. When we make the decision to obey God and give ourselves to our husbands, even when we don't feel like it, as I quoted, as I said before, God will bless you. He will reward your efforts. I love this quote from Elizabeth Elliot. She said, the essence of sexual enjoyment for a woman is self-giving. You will find that it is impossible to draw the line between giving pleasure and receiving pleasure. If you put the giving first, the receiving is inevitable. End of quote. So let me challenge you to take seriously obeying the Lord by being intimate with your husband regularly, ongoing, and making it special. Do you remember back to the times? For some of us, it's a little longer memory bank, but to go back when before you were married and how you couldn't wait to have sex with your husband-to-be. How many of us have long stopped thinking about our husband in that way? Perhaps it's time to start thinking about what it would be like to be intimate with your husband. If you never have thoughts about him that way, then it really shouldn't surprise you that you really have no sexual desires. In the Song of Solomon, chapter 5, the bride was fantasizing about her uh, amazing beloved husband, eager for his body, and she states that he is altogether desirable. So do you ever think about your husband in that way? You should. This will cause you to rekindle that desire to be with him in an intimate way. I mean, if it's never in your brain, hello, things need to change. You will blow your husband away if you initiate lovemaking and if you are actually eager to do so. Ask God to help you and to renew your sexual desires and to be available mentally and physically. This is a matter of obedience, ladies. I can't stress it enough. This is walking in fellowship with the Lord. If you really think that you're studying the Bible and you're listening to message and you're, you're serving the Lord in ministry, but you won't be this for your husband, you're out of fellowship with the Lord. As I said, it's a scary thought that for some of you, maybe the Lord hasn't been hearing your prayers for decades. <clears throat> I close with this quote. A good wife is heaven's last best gift to a man, <clears throat> his gem of many virtues, his jewels. Her voice is sweet music, her smile is his brightest day, her kiss the guardian of his innocence, her arms uh, his safety, her industry her, his surest wealth, her economy his safest steward, her lips his faithful counselor, his bo her bosom the softest pillow, of his cares. And one other one from J. Vernon McGee, when a man and a woman give themselves to each other in the act of marital love, they can know the love of Christ as no one else 
can know it. Let's pray. Father, you design marriage. You design for intimacy in marriage. And I thank you for that. I thank you that your word is so clear. And I know it's hard. We as women get weary, worn out, have so many demands on us. And then the thought to be this thrilling, exciting lover on top of everything else is overwhelming at times. I pray that we would view intimacy through the lens of scripture. That we would see that this is a matter of heart obedience. And I pray that you would help each of us to be the best wife, to be the best lover, to be the most caring and giving of wives that there can be. Lord, I know that you designed this, and I know the impact that that can have on the oneness in a marriage relationship. And so I pray that you will work in the hearts of each of us to stop just thinking about ourselves, but to love and nurture and be available to the husbands you've given us. In Jesus' name, amen. And if...